Broadcasting from our secret compound at Silicon Slopes, Utah, overlooking the entire Utah Tech Corridor, this is the Utah CTO Show. Bite-sized interviews with Utah's tech leaders where we dig into the growth of the Utah tech scene, the stories behind some of the greatest local successes, and the secrets to growing tech leadership in Utah. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Jenkins and Brett Flake. All right. I want to welcome you all to our podcast today and uh, do a quick introduction about what this podcast is about. I'm here with Brett Flake. My name's Chris Jenkins. And uh, Brett, let's just do a quick introduction and tell everybody who we are and what we do. Okay. Sounds good. So I'm Brett Flake. Currently, my position is chief engineer at a company called Banyan. I work with Chris. He's my direct supervisor. <laughs> so I've been in the tech space for quite a while, professionally been programming for over a decade. I got started at a really young age. My father, growing up, was kind of a hobbyist programmer, and he liked to solve a lot of problems around geometry. He also liked to build things kind of like an architect almost. And so he'd have these designs for buildings that he would build. Yeah. And some of it would involve some pretty intense geometric calculations and whatnot. And so he got started doing some QBasic programming to solve some math problems. And him and one of my older siblings started doing a lot of these math problems, solving these various problems. He had some interesting shaped Rubik's Cubes-esque type inventions that he had created with some of the calculations he had done with programming. So that's kind of the environment I grew up in. And my father was, in fact, the guy that uh, introduced me to programming. And this was, I was probably six, seven, maybe eight years old. And one of my earliest memories is of the whole family loading up into our station wagon. It's like me and seven other siblings or something like that, mom and dad. And we drive to Rock Springs, Wyoming. I'm originally from Evanston, Wyoming. And we go to some computer store or something. And we purchased, I think, what was an Intel 386, probably cost between two or $3,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really, you know, for the family of our size and for the social status that we didn't have, it was a huge sacrifice for my family to do something like that. And my parents were always very obsessed with, uh, with education and my dad also very interested in technology. And so that's where I got started. And so I think that's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I think similarly, first computer I had was an Intel 486. Oh, nice. And so I, I'm pretty sure that there was a 386 in there somewhere, but I really didn't touch it. The 486 was the first one where I was like, yeah, I can actually play around with this thing and I understand how it works. And there was a mouse and a monitor and it seemed to function as I expected it to function. But more than anything, I opened the box and tinkered with all of the hardware that was inside. So <laughs> less software for sure. Yeah, I think our 386 was to replace the TRS-80 that I think my mother might have purchased while she was attending college or something. So yeah. So my name is Chris Jenkins and I run product and engineering at Banyan. And our company's in Orem, and we've been in business for about four years. Both of us have been there less than that, but the focus really has been kind of changing the architecture. And so there's a lot of re-architecting and refactoring and changing of the systems that Brett has been involved in and done a fantastic job doing that. And part of wanting to do this podcast with him is I think that experience that he has that maybe I don't have or that is somewhat in contrast to my own experience, I think is very important to the message that we're trying to convey. So my background being different than Brett, I actually didn't think about programming any software until I was, in fact, didn't take any computer courses. I had the option in junior high, as most of us do, to take a couple basic courses. Same in high school, also did not take those it was not until after I got a job around college time that I finally found an opportunity 
to code and do a little programming. Uh, I learned a lot in Excel and then got into database design and actually it wasn't really database design, but it was just Microsoft Access where I could build a database that would house all of our warehouse inventory and built a rudimentary ERP just trying to make the business more efficient. And so that was kind of my first intro into programming and software development at all. Then once I did that, I got into more web programming. I built the website for the company that I was at. And then we could do a full kind of shopping experience for that company as well. And then I guess past that, once I started getting into business, I realized my passion was more in product, but also I had a knack for communicating with the engineers and helping them understand what it is that we wanted to build. So a lot of us know that, you know, the sales team has a lot of ideas and they're hearing everything from all the customers and they just want you to build it. And so the communication from sales to engineering, often you miss a ton of detail and there's questions that just go unanswered and they just don't understand that detail. And so that's where I came in is I would work with sales and then translate that into engineering speak. And that's how I became friends with a bunch of engineers and they helped me grow up in product management and software design and user experience and different testing features, functions, et cetera, or methods. Anyway, so that kind of led me to a career, an international business career, building software products and managing software teams outside the US. And then eventually came back to Utah and got an offer at Banyan and have been there ever since. And we've gone through quite a lot of ups and downs in our software development lifecycle. And I think now we're getting to a much more stable place. But the whole purpose behind Brett and I wanting to come in here is to spend time with CTOs and managers of engineers and help pull out the stories that these guys have gone through, the war stories almost, of starting a company or going from a, a junior dev all the way up to senior manager or VP of engineering and being in charge of the entire architecture. What does it take? And what challenges have you overcome? And what have you learned along the way? And what are some things that they don't teach you in CS school or your programming school? What kind of things that from a startup perspective, you just don't get a chance to to learn unless it's on the job. And so wanted to just do as many interviews as we can with CTOs and the like so that those of you listening to this podcast can get a really clear understanding of how potentially you might grow into a CTO yourself or jump off the, the I guess it's kind of jumping off a cliff really <laughs> and starting your own company. Or you, maybe you have a product already that you started to develop, but just aren't sure if it's something that you are willing to or, or feeling comfortable starting your own company doing. So I think that's really a lot of why we want to do this. Yeah. And I think ultimately, you know, that's kind of my goal as well as maybe as a audience member, being able to interview and understand what it took to make this real world application work. I think my background, I come from, you know, I wanted to solve creative problems and it wasn't until I was developing professionally that I realized, oh, you know, like there's these real world problems that can be solved with programming. It's not just for fun. And so, you know, I think that a lot of times these CTO types or the type of people that can grow an idea into a viable business, there is a lot of times a certain amount of creativity required or innovation. You know, there's a lot of art to it besides just the engineering. And I think ultimately I'm curious to know what makes it work, what's going to be different for each situation. But uh, having that idea of what puzzle pieces fit together to create something really great, you know, no matter what sort of company it is. That's kind of where I'm at trying to interview and, and understand. Well, and there's so many different approaches and different personality types and yeah. different experiences that people have, I think, that add to our own experience. And 
actually, there's a story that I have, I guess, an experience that I had where I was working with a team of engineers offshore, and I felt like I had all of the answers, done a ton of research. I traveled to a lot of different countries, validated all of the efforts and the requirements and the details that I thought I needed. And then when I got to the team, feeling like I'm fully prepared and have all of the details, the questions that they shot at me after giving them all of that information had surprised me. They had really opened up my eyes on this particular problem into some areas that I hadn't actually considered. And it required me to go back to the drawing board. And I'm glad that I was humble enough in that moment to, rather than just push forward with my ideas, take a step back and actually go and return to the interviews that I was doing around the product because they were able to provide such a really good insight. And that was something that my manager at the time, he was the senior director of engineering or something like that. Well, more of a peer. He really just taught me, take a step back and listen to your engineers because they have some really good insight on the design and the architecture. And I felt like that particular role in that particular instance was a huge learning experience for me. And I think that everybody out there has these kinds of moments that they learn from somebody different. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's really easy, especially for engineers, to underestimate how important human capital is in their engineering duties. And as I've kind of had that same experience at Banyan, being able to manage the development process, realizing that, hey, I don't need to be the smartest guy in the room, but using all of the resources at hand and maybe there's particular people that are smarter at one thing or another. And I think that there's probably a lot of good stories around around that, asking other tech management types questions around that human capital question. So during this podcast and the various interviews that we're going to do, I think we're going to hit all of the hard topics, the fun topics, the interesting topics, the taboo topics around engineering. A couple examples, right? Like whether you onshore or offshore, I think that's an interesting topic. A lot of people have yeah. pretty strong opinions about that. Your development methodology, right? Scrum, Agile. I think we're all against waterfall, but there probably are a few <laughs> people that are still doing that somewhere. Or maybe um, it's required, you know. But yeah, maybe required, right? Some government job somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I, but those are some of the things that we're going to go after and really dig into because at least in my career, I remember growing up in the very early stages of Scrum and Agile methodologies and transitioning from waterfall to scrum and agile, and then getting more into Kanban and doing some different things where we're trying to invent the best way for our team to function together. How do you do that with various teams offshore? And how do you hold standups? Like, I think there's just a lot of things within software methodology that as a junior developer, you're just learning and just spending time trying to figure out what's the best methodology. And some folks that are more CTO or senior level have that experience going through multiple types of methodologies and why one may be better over the other, or you just stick to one. And then that just by sticking to one, it actually makes it more useful. Yeah. I think too, there's probably a lot more questions around startup type environments. So how you got funding, how are you managing risk, the sorts of compromises that had to be made when resources or time money was getting short, how they solve difficult technical problems or fix particular roadblocks or bottlenecks. Those are kind of the sort of technical questions I'd be interested in asking. Yeah. We were speaking with a CTO recently who was saying that one of the more difficult experiences he had to go through was all of the funding and dealing with venture capitalists and trying to explain to them what the technology did in layman's terms and in a way that they could understand. And then some of them thought they understood something and uh, it turned out that they were completely wrong. So there's tons of pitfalls, tons of 
experiences that on the business side, that as an engineer, you think you know, there will always be somebody potentially covering that for me. I don't have to know it or don't have to learn it. But the reality is if you're going to start your own company, if you're going to build your own product, you have to be able to stand on your own two feet with those kinds of conversations. Yeah, definitely. Going in as a leader, you're definitely going to have a lot more challenges and, and where you specialized as some other technical career, and then you're having to uh, grow up and be more of a leader type, you're going to run into those problems. So there's some kind of stereotypical CTOs or types of CTOs that I wanted to mention and maybe bring up, Brett, see if you had any thoughts or opinions on these. And maybe you could even name some, right? You've got the serial co-founder, Somebody who's built just tons of products, has tons of ideas, super educated, the Harvard grads, the MITs, the Berkeley, wherever, right? That uh, yeah. super well-educated. You got the college dropout, somebody who just mm-hmm. went to Harvard, but I purposefully dropped out so I could build an awesome business. Yeah, there's a lot of people that wear that as a badge of honor almost in the tech space if they found something successful. Yeah, and is one better than the other, right? What, Zuckerberg, <laughs> Harvard dropout. But built a Bill, Bill Gates. <laughs> multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. Bill Gates. You can name a ton of people like that, right. right? You don't have to be one or the other, but not necessarily one is better than the other. Yeah. yeah. Right? There's the CTO manager, somebody whose focus is on management and employee improvement or retention, satisfaction. Yeah. I recently had um, a director I reported to that, you know, his big emphasis was retaining high quality team and high quality talent. And I thought he did an excellent job at it, but that's definitely the manager type, I feel like. Yeah. And you also have the, I mentioned the coder. They just love being in the code. I've heard of a CTO recently. He said that he specifically positioned himself in the corner to focus on just coding and let his teams do the rest of the work just to build the right product. But he wasn't managing anybody. He was just building the product, you know, and being a part of that process. Yeah, you hear a lot of stories, Elon Musk type people where they get down into the details and they understand the product at a very technical level, at a very deep technical level. You also have big company guy, political player, right, Mm -hmm. that uh, kind of works his way up or her way up in tech politically. Yeah, I think networking definitely can tie into your success, uh, sometimes even more than your actual success at what you're doing. (laughs) There's also the person that only believes in developers sitting in the same room together. Mm -hmm. And then there's the opposite of that, where they're fully excited about offshoring the entire dev team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be talking, hopefully, with all of these types and personality types and and experience levels to give you really all the insights of what that type of person is and and the experiences that they've had and hopefully inspire a few people to start their own business. You have that idea and that product, get out there and launch it. And hopefully these CTOs will have some anecdotes that will help you along the way. The last reason really for wanting to do this podcast was... There is a lot of content out there for CEOs. There's a lot of content out there about the non-technical co-founder, right? The sales and marketing co-founders. Yeah, you have a lot out there for the flashy figureheads, but not so much for the guys behind the scenes that are kind of in the trenches solving the problems. Exactly. And that's who we are really going after. Are those stories in the trenches, what it really takes, how difficult it is, or how fun and exciting it can be? for anybody starting a company that's from the technical side. And then obviously all of the challenges faced with that particular role. And so we hope that this podcast will give you those insights and from the experiences and stories from these CTOs and chief architects and VPs of engineering that you'll be able to take some of that and learn. 
Absolutely. One other thing I would mention too is that I'm on the governor's office of economic development. They have a program called Tech Pathways where they're trying to get teenagers into tech earlier and then ultimately pass them all the way through full graduation in college Mm -hmm. and that all of the classes and programs that they're taking will articulate through all of the public universities here in Utah. And so one of the school districts here in Utah County, they had a representative and he approached me and said, would you be willing to talk to our students? I have a group of students. They are teen mothers. They are potential high school dropouts, you know, folks that just don't have a lot of family support or don't really believe in themselves. And going to speak to that group I was able to convey that you don't necessarily have to be a great programmer or come in and start your career in tech coding computers. There's a lot of other opportunity out there in customer service management for a SaaS company and product management and project management that are really close to tech companies and doing technical-oriented tasks that could potentially get you a better paying job than working at McDonald's or the grocery store or something like that. And I hope that this podcast will also reach out to some of those folks that are thinking, maybe I don't have much of a career opportunity or I need an education that I don't think I can support, afford, or do. Maybe my mind isn't set for that and they have these preconceived beliefs. And so there's a broad range of talent required for the tech industry. Very broad range. It doesn't have to be these deep, pedantic, uh, tech-oriented careers necessarily. Exactly. Being able to offer that opportunity to people, I think, is a big thing for us as well. So absolutely, really hope you enjoy this podcast. Hope you enjoy the series as it comes out, as we start releasing the various interviews that we've done, putting a lot of effort and heart into these. And if you have any questions or any ideas for us, don't hesitate to reach out. Mm -hmm.